I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, babe. Can you believe that we get to do this? I cannot believe we get to do this. We're in our three-season port, so if you're tuning in, and this is a YouTube video, we do not have fans blowing on us intentionally. Yes, we do. It's just a warm day. Yes, we do. Well, we don't have people holding them for (laughs) us. It's not a a photo shoot or a modeling shoot. (laughs) It's amazing, and it's such a joy to come into your earbuds, your homes, your workout, the treadmill, um, your TV your iPhone, your car, your stereo, however you're listening. We just want to say thanks for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this content. New episodes drop every Monday morning early. And so it's a blessing in our lives that we get to do ministry together and team up for the cause of Christ, but also come into your life and connect Mm -hmm. like this for a second. And Micah, who are we joined by today? Well, first of all, we want to say hello to Chad Thank you so much for joining us. Chad Glover, for those of you who have never heard of him and don't know him, you will have an opportunity to hear his heart and hear what God's doing. Chad, how are you doing? Yo, yo, so excited to be joining you guys. We talked about this before we ever started recording, but your boy is down in the swampland of Louisiana right now. So I'm living in the Midwest in Kansas City. That's where home is. But uh, through God's providence, being able to travel down here in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. So if I kind of sound like I'm, I'm Cajuns because I'm blended into the culture a little bit, so I'm going to have a little Minnesota accident, a- accent, a little Cajun accent. Yeah, that's going to be great, man. I'm so excited to be joining y'all. Well, we are excited to have you, Josiah. Tell yes. us more about him. And so our paths crossed with Chad. We were recently down at an event at the porch mm-hmm. in Dallas, Texas, and we had lunch together. If I remember right, it was some delicious barbecue. Praise God for yes. that. Some yes. Southern, some Southern Texas cooking. Barbecue. But um, a little bit about Chad Glover. He is the executive teaching pastor at Abundant Life Church in Kansas City and leads Paradigm KC. Paradigm, by the way, is a weekly gathering of Kansas City college students and 20-somethings who have a desire to see Jesus made known throughout the city in their generation. Come on, somebody. And so if you're ever near Kansas City, you can grab a cup of coffee, enjoy a relaxed environment, hear messages that are relevant, and also um, connect with young professionals and build relationships with young adults. So they have a weekly gathering on Tuesday nights. But Chad, we just want to talk about young adult ministry, have a conversation geared for young leaders today, maybe leading teams, building teams, going and taking our leadership to the next level. But before we do, can you just catch us up to speed on your story of life, family, and leadership? Yeah, man. So, um, you know, we could spend hours talking about just God's faithfulness in my life and how he's, you know, taken me through so many things. But in a a nutshell, you know, one of the things I would say is that um, anyone listening to this, you know, young adult or somebody that's wanting to be influential in young adult ministry just to impact the millennial and Gen Z generation, I think maybe they would find themselves where I found myself a few years ago. And, and what I mean by that is, is that I, I um, had kind of a, uh, an affiliation with Christianity, but I really went all in. And uh, there was this part of me, it was a little bit of a tension where I, I wanted to make an impact in my generation. I wanted to do something great, but I, I wasn't willing to go all in with Jesus. And so wow. it was it was really a, a paradox of sorts. And, and what happened was I started um, 
listening to things like this that you guys are producing, um, where God's word is central to our worldview and, and we're being motivated and influenced and shaped in our thinking by God's word. Start listening to sermons and, and things like that. And what happened is that God's word began to work in my life and it, and it showed me, like, man, I'm not where I need to be, bro. And I hadn't really sacrificed. And so I was like this guy that maybe, like I was like an 80% Christian, you know, which what I learned is an 80% Christian really isn't a Christian. <laughs> and so I'm 20 years old. I'm broken over my sin in a new way. And what had happened was everything outside of my life was falling apart. My family was falling apart. My dad was incarcerated for the second time. We had to foreclose on our house. Um, everything was crumbling, but I still was good on, on me. I had me down, you know, but then, um, then things went down on me. Like um, I got, I got really exposed with some private things that I was doing that weren't pleasing to God. And I was like, God, I'm not the man that you made me to be. And I was broken. And, and I think what really revealed the depth of my brokenness in a new way was that I'd been, I'd been really meditating on the holiness of God. And here's what I come to find out. Isaiah six captures it so well that when we see God's holiness, it reveals our sinfulness yeah. and the byproduct is brokenness. And, and I, I think that maybe somebody listening to this is like broken. I don't want to be, I don't want to be broken, bro. Like I'll, I'm trying to be like, I'm trying to be making moves and I'm not, but God draws near to the brokenhearted. And, and he, it says that he a uh, broken and contrite spirit, he won't despise. And so that was the very place that God had to bring me to to show me a greater vision of himself, a greater purpose for my life. And so I'm 20 years old and I think, man, I'm going to go all in. And what that looked like is me returning to the gospel. And if you don't know the gospel, that Jesus died for my sin, rose from the grave, and that, and that he wants to give me love, love and forgiveness and purpose. And then I started living that out. And so um, living that out in the way that I started pursuing from my relationship with God and pursuing community with, with some other men. We started waging war against our sin. Um, and we started like sharing what God was teaching us in the word. And, and we started living for the mission of God. And when it comes to leadership, bro, here's what I've learned. Like what God did in that season to teach me my need for him, my need for strong biblical community, and my need to stay focused on the mission. Like that's leadership. Like that hasn't changed. And it's grown. It's matured. But I woke up today and I was like, God, I need you to move in my life today. If I give in yeah. to the craving that I have, if I give in to my lustful tendencies, my pride, my people pleasing, I'm going to be a mess. I'm going to be right back where I was. And, uh, and so, God, I need you to move. And, and I want to get into your word and, and show me something new. And then, God, help me surround myself with people that are about it. Right? We ain't playing games. Life's short, man. And let us stay focused on the mission. And so that's where God it. You know, that's where he really grabbed my heart. <laughs> and so here's what happened. I just kind of looked up and I was like, all right, where are the leaders at? Where are the people in my generation that are leading this thing out? And I couldn't find nobody, man. Wow. I was playing college football and I was like, man, we, we need somebody to really be about it for the mission of God on this team. Where are they at? And God was like, they right where you are, bro. You are the guy. You stand up. And so I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I just said, hey, we're going to do a Bible study, guys. We're going to open up God's word. And we're just going to read it and talk about it tonight at the at the field house, nine o'clock on Wednesday night. And we started in this this sweaty, nasty field house weight room with these guys, just reading the word it. of God, letting the line out, let it do its thing. And, and men begin to give their life to Christ. We were baptizing guys in the pond. 
Love it. And here's what I learned in that season is that God just is looking for somebody to be broken mm-hmm. and then to be open to him, filling them and using them in great ways. And God will, he'll move in the, and y'all are here doing this podcast because there ain't nothing like being used by God. You know? Right. That's what, that's what you're made for. So that's a little bit of my story in a nutshell. That's so fun, Chad. Thank you for sharing. I think you explained a lot of just different things. I think where a lot of young adults are, if you're 18 to 30, you're on the, on the field, you're on the court, you're in the dorms, you're trying to get connected to church. You, you, you know, right from wrong, but I'm choosing to do wrong when I should be doing right. And what's right by the world is not right by the word. So, I mean, there's all these tensions where they're trying to just like connect with the heart of Christ and they can't even connect with themselves. We're emotionally um, disconnected or we're not, we don't know how to be in tune with the spirit. We don't know how to be in tune with God. Or we look across the fields and we're like, where are all the leaders? Yeah. And if not me, then who? And a lot of the times God's like, it it is you, it is you, Chad, it's you, Josiah, it's you, Micah, it's you listeners. Like you are the answer to somebody else's prayer on multiple playing fields. And sometimes we fail to recognize that because we're looking for the wrong thing. And we know that this generation, 18 to 30 year olds, it's a pivotal moment. There's 12 years of life that can go Maybe you want to null and void it and you just want to be like, I don't even want to talk about it. Like some people we talk to in marriage are like, I don't even want to talk about the first five years of marriage. And it's like, what? I'm like, we're all in four years and this is awesome. Like you wait for that shoe to drop and we don't want the generation to wait for that shoe to drop on them or, you know, get left behind in the dust when it comes to, you know, saying yes to Christ. So I was just curious, what are you seeing among the next generation, the 18 to 30 year olds, when it comes to like a true faith in Jesus Christ? What have you been exposed to these last um, few decades, perhaps? Yeah, so I, I mean, I've given my my professional career to millennials and Gen Z. By God's grace, I, I graduated with a biology degree and I was thinking med, med school, medical field, but God rerouted that, you know, when I was 20, I was talking about like football team, reaching these guys for Christ. And, and once God gave me a vision that like, oh, you can be used, you know, <laughs> the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And he puts a condemned sign on our person and condemned is this word that means you're unfit for use. And, and God comes by. And when you put your life in Christ, he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Yeah. He pulls that condemned sign off. He says, no, this building can be used for my glory. And I didn't think that God could use somebody like me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, there's probably better people out there. And when God began to use me, um, I was like, man, if I could, if I could give my life to this, I would love that. I started my own business out of college, inspecting real estate, and I established my marriage. Um, I've been married ha- happily for 14, almost 14 years. My wife Chelsea, wow. we have three little girls, and um, so I ran my own business. We were all the while serving in the local church being faithful to do what we can do where we were at and then had the opportunity to go part-time on staff at a church. Then about a year later, full-time on staff at a church working with teenagers mm-hmm. and I uh, worked with teenagers for several years and then went into young adult ministry a few years ago and working with the church in a larger, broader sense. And, and so this has been my life. I'm giving my life to study this. I have a master's degree in this, now a doctorate in this and just really focusing on this generation and, um, and here, here's what I would say. There's so much that um, if somebody's listening to this and was like, man, where do I start? Where do I start? But I, I just want to drop a resource and, and just kind of piggyback off something you said, Micah, that like this decade is so critical. And the resource is uh, it's a great resource called the Defining Decade. 
and um, just a book. And, and what it does is it really helps us give importance and science um, to some of the big life decisions that you're going to make in this, this season. We did a, just kind of drop a resource we did, we did a, a series called The Decision Decade, where we took some of the science and the psychology and the sociological observations from the Defining Decade book, and we allowed the Bible to interpret that. And we called our young adults to really maximize this season of their life. Here's the reality. If you're in your 20s, listen to this. This is the most critical season of adult development. You're going to make yes. the majority of your life decisions before the, t- the time you turn 35. 85% of big life's big decisions before you turn 35. And who you decide to be in this season and what you decide to be about in this season will set you on a lifelong trajectory. And so you need to be wise that's why the word of God says to be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Yeah. And we need to understand what the will of the Lord is in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And then once we understand wisdom, we can apply that wisdom. And wisdom is understanding that life is connected, knowing how to take the information of how the world works and apply it to your life practically. You can find success in your relationships and your purpose and your calling. And I think young adults are, man, they're, they're longing for that. that. That's why we see young adults hit the streets rioting for, yeah. you know, different causes. That's why we see young adults, um, you know, growing. Even I would say they go from riots to even being so hopeless and melancholy that they're, they're taking their life because they, they're trying to find purpose in something. They're trying to find something that's bigger than themselves. And I would say that the only way you're going to find that is when you get aligned with your maker. And so um, when it comes to, you know, working with young adults and, and being a young adult, um, one of the things that I, I've seen that is so important is that you've got to be honest with your struggles and that no one is going to pretend like they have it all together. And there's this fake radar that young adults have that they can just sniff it out. And so we want to be honest with who we are and what God is doing in our life. So we don't want to pretend like we have it all together. So if I hopped on here and I was like, man, I got saved when I was 20, everything's been awesome ever since. And I didn't tell y'all that I need Jesus today to deliver me through the things that he worked on me back then just as much. And I think a young adult would be like, uh, no, that's whack, you know? And, and so we got to be honest, but then we've got to cast such a compelling vision, such a heroic vision that young adults see that, that the mission of God is worth giving their life to. And it's kind of the vision I have. And, and I don't know if there's any great lakes where you guys are from, but don't you imagine like you roll into a harbor and there's all of these sailboats Yep. And none of them have their cell open and they're just kind of chilling in the harbor. And, and I think that's a picture of a lot of our young adults. Like if they represent a sailboat, like they're just chilling in the harbor. And what we're saying is like, hey, you were you were made to to come into the, the, the dangerous water to open up your cell and in the, in the wind to blow you in, in the thrill of this. And so it's like we're trying to, to let them know, hey, you are a sailboat. Come into this water. And I think so many people have been, they just compromised for watching someone else enjoy the thrill of sailing. And it's like, no, there's an, and, and here's what I know. Like if there were a thousand sailboats out in the ocean and the wind's blowing, every sailboat can catch wind. Yes. If there's yes. enough wind to go around. Yeah. Exactly. Know? And what I would say is that the Holy Spirit, if no one's cornered the market on the Holy Spirit. And so I'll tell young adults, like God wants to use you. He wants to work through you. He wants to use you in your business place. He wants to use your creativity. He wants to use your influence and do not settle for coming to a place and cheering people on that are following Jesus and you never really follow him personally. 
you got to be real that you need Jesus, but then you've got to get skin in the game. And what I've seen is when young adults will start living out their faith, telling people about Jesus, man, it's, it's like they just get that wind that blows that sail. And they're like, oh, wow, God's using me. And I'm like, let's go. And there's nothing greater than that. Nothing greater than that. Spot on. I, I love what you said about the harbor. And we live in a, a state where there's over 10,000 lakes. So we happened to be on a lake yesterday with some friends mm-hmm. having a similar conversation to this of the meaning of life, of the purpose of life, mm-hmm. and just comparison and its trap, the belief that your wind in your sail or your wind and your win is my loss or that if you have wind in your sail and you're winning it means that there's not enough wind for me and i can't win or i'm losing and both of those are myths and um i I think that that's spot on chad and what we're seeing is that 60 percent right now currently of the young adult leaders and pastors who are listening to young adults today are new in young adult ministry, meaning that they have six months or less experience in their current role. Maybe they're launching something new right out of the shoot in 2021, 2022, or they're taking over something existing. And there's just such, Kerry Newhoff has said that there's such a reshuffling and mm-hmm. kind of a diaspora of just the scattering mm-hmm. um, and, and reshuffling or regathering of leaders and teams. And so, I also see that in our ministry context, about half of the young adults involved are still millennials. And then the other half is rising up as Gen Z. And so we're kind of in this hybrid approach of new leaders taking over, but half of those we're leading are millennials, half are Generation Z. And I'd love to talk and, and pick your brain on two things, specifically leading teams and developing teams in a sense of building um, a ministry that equips the saints to do the work of the ministry, to reach young adults, to retain the next generation in their faith. What are you learning? What has your experience been? And what could you share with us about that? Right, right. And, and just, I think it's so good that you're asking that question because if, if we fail to do that, then we fail to, we fail to be the church really. You know, if, if you're at, if you're listening to this, you're a young leader and you're at a church where when you read the Bible, you you kind of have a vision for Christianity. Then you go to your church and, and they're not even on the same page. You need to find a different church that we should be reading the Bible and that and that the adventures that are happening in the scripture, the way God's moving. That should be something that we should have vision for and we should be striving towards. And you're not going to experience that if you don't raise up the next generation and give exactly. ministry away to them. Wow. So here, here's a couple of things I would say for me, an axiom that I, I live and die by is the is the formula for empowerment, the formula for empowerment. So if I'm going to have a leader around me, I've got to be thinking, how do I empower them? The biblical rationale is what you already said, Josiah, it's Ephesians 4, 12, you know, 4, 11 says that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists and, and pastors. And, and I, I would contend, some people say that's the fivefold ministry. And, and I would say that that's not an exhaustive list. I think that God said, you know, we could put in there, God gave some to be worship leaders. God gave some to be um, small group leaders that God gave, whatever the position he gave you, here's the why he gave you that position. And it's 412 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We have to be in the equipping business. So the form of the four empowerment for me, and if you're, I'll say this a couple of times, if you're listening to this, maybe doing the dishes or driving somewhere, I want you to get this. It is clarity plus trust equals empowerment. That's that again, good. Clarity plus trust equals empowerment. Now, typically, 
um, you're going to err in one side or the other. Um, I'm a very trusting person. And so my, my downfall is I'll equip somebody and I'll be like, hey, why don't you go lead that? And I'll just kind of point in a vague direction and I'll just kind of say, lead it, you know. And somebody's like, all right, you know, and a young leader is always overconfident. Like, all right, I'll go lead. I'm going to crush this. And then I'll come up there like, what are you doing? Why'd you do that? They're like, because you never were clear with what you meant by lead that, you know. And so I have to really um, have to be thinking, am I clear? So often when I'm with new leaders and when I'm with, even I do this with my wife, is I'll say, does that make sense to you? I'll nuance when I, when I give instructions and I will say, what did you hear me say? And I'm trying to fight for clarity because I will not empower people if I'm not clear and I will not empower them if I don't give them trust. And so if you err on the side of trust then you really need to tell yourself, what's that clear? Did I put it in writing even? Did I make the expectations clear? And then the other side, if you err on the side of, of clarity, then what's going to happen is you're like a hover, you know, you're a micromanager and you're not giving any trust away. And so you're at every meeting, um, you're um, trying to be the, the person that's like, overseeing and just heavy handed. And it's like, no, no, you, at some point in time, you're going to have to um, trust them. And yeah. so, so if there's a leader listening to this and they've given ministry away, sometimes one of the worst things they can do is be present when mm. that, when that person's leading, wow. now, I'm not saying cut out completely, but you've got to give them space to lead. And oftentimes just your presence. I mean, think about this. Jesus left. Jesus left like I like the ascension to me is always like what do you I don't get that I think I would have hung out a little I think I would have been like let me just kind of be with Peter at Pentecost and make sure he gets Joel right in the message but Jesus is like bro I'm out I'm I'm empowering you and the spirit of God's gonna fill you and you've got it <laughs> I'm just like oh man that's risky but we've got to be willing to take risks. So that's one aspect. We've got to give, we've got to empower the next generation. Clarity plus trust equals empowerment. So if you're listening to this and you're not actively seeking to give ministry away, you are not being biblical. And you will not, you will create a following, but you will not create a ministry. And you've got to have a Pharaoh mentality. And the Pharaohs begin to build his pyramid on the first day of his kingship. And so he prepared for the thing that would outlive his life so on good. day one. And so you've got to have a legacy mentality and we're not building pyramids, we're building people. And you got to start building into people quickly. So here's how this looks practically for me is um, we will um, place a high ask on people and a clear expectation. Hey, we want to give you, um, we, we want to call you to serve a year long in this ministry and then we, we want to call you to um live out what we see in the biblical what we see in the bible that we want you to be expert evangelists and uh, we want you to be excellent hosts those are kind of two big lanes we have multiple things but this came and then we want to call you to a year commitment and we don't want you to miss our gathering if you wouldn't miss for work and here's why because there's going to be people that are coming that you need to interface with and we don't want you to just hold open a door, pass out a program. We want you to um, share the gospel with them. We want you to share your testimony. And this all came because we had a guy that um, just called, he called in one Tuesday night and he was like, Hey, I'm not going to make it. I got tickets to the Royals game and we're in Kansas city. You know, the Royals are kind of a big deal. You know, y'all got the twins. We got the Royals. Yes, anyway, so um, central division kind of, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And so we just kind of, we, 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 Put our minds together and said, man, what, what, how have we failed to cast a big enough vision 
where somebody thinks that the Royals are more exciting than being used by God. Wow. And so we just said, man, that's on us. And so we started adjusting our narrative and saying like, again, ministry off the stage is just as important as ministry on the stage. Mm. And we have to cast that vision that you matter, that God wants to use you and that you don't, you don't exist to help build my following as a communicator or as a worship leader, but we're in all of this together. And so the majority of people that come to Christ at our gathering are not through me as the communicator. Let me me make this clear. The majority of people that come to Christ are because our young adult leaders are leading them to Christ, not at the front of the stage, in the lobby, pre-service, after service, at our connection desk, that they, they, they see that they are there to share the gospel with other young adults. And, and we're, we're seeing a shift in, I would say, millennial Gen Z, that they, they're, not, they're not rebelling against the sage from the stage, but they're craving a guide from the side. And so we still need to preach from the stage. We still need to be a sage from the stage. We got to, you know, rightfully divide the word of God. But if we don't raise up guides that will come along the side of people and help them process what they just heard through the lens of the gospel, then we're not going to reach people, man. And so we want to equip people to do that. Um, And I'll I'll just say one other thing is that we want to equip them not to do an abundant life thing or a paradigm thing. We want to equip them to do a Bible thing. Second Corinthians 5:20 says that we are Christ ambassadors. Yes. Like we represent uh-huh. Christ. This is your heritage. You don't you don't go to seminary to be an ambassador. You, once you come to Christ, you're his ambassador. So y'all are from Minnesota. You know, y'all represent it. You know, you you if it's baseball, it's the twins. If it's basketball, it's the Timberwolves. If it's football, it's the Vikings. You know, and and side note, I did tackle Adrian Peterson uh, when I was in high school. We played against each other. So I'll let your boy. Unreal. Uh, yes, yes. One time he ran over me a lot of times, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and you represent Minnesota. You're the ambassador for Minnesota. When we were together, y'all were talking twins baseball. Y'all have tickets there, I think. And so, yeah, season tickets. And, and you represent. And so, the way that you represent Minnesota is the way we have to represent Christ. We're proud of this. And here's, here's the manifestation of that that we are his ambassadors as if God. God of the galaxies. Have you ever listened to this? Think about this. God understood the universe. He had a thought and the universe was formed. That's the God. It says that God makes his appeal through you. You are the mouthpiece. God uses your little baby vocal folds and the oxygen that he gives you to create words so people can have some sort of comprehension of his love for them. And you are the agent. If you're listening to this, God, I can't say this enough. God wants to use you. But you have to be willing to be broken, to, to humble yourself, and then to be available and say, God, would you use me? One pastor, Rick Warren, he says that when you make yourself available, you better look out because God will wear you out. <laughs> and so those are some things I would say that we're seeing in this generation that we have to equip them and that we have to call them to walk in the heritage and the legacy that they are in Christ and say, hey, man, open your mouth, make known the mystery of the gospel and yeah. watch it work. I love that. I want to go off script for a second because you talked about this formula for empowerment of clarity Mm -hmm. and trust. And I want to go off script and ask Micah and I'll answer, but I want the listener to just pause and think about this for a second. Micah, babe, is your natural lean or tendency towards trust immediately or more towards clarity? 
Oh, you already know my answer. I would say I'm one, you're the other. I agree. Yep. I'm definitely. Can I guess? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you good. Go ahead. Yes. 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 You said, you said clarity. I would have guessed Josiah would have been clarity because he sent me the email with all of the script, you know, and so he gave me the clear instructions, but maybe Micah put it together and then you just poured it to me. I don't know. I don't know. I th I'm definitely more clarity. He is more trust. Yeah. But I think we're in even balance when we, we, we serve alongside each other. Yes. And that's, I don't know. I think aside from, <laughs> you know, Jesus, my parents, maybe the youth pastor who discipled me closely, the person who's influenced my thought life and leadership most in ministry, right up there with the first pastor I had for 26 years, right up there with our youth pastor, wow. um, would be Micah. And my Amen. failures or shortcomings as a leader <laughs> so often have been, it is so clear in my head. So I just want to <laughs> empower. And when I am being led, I just want to be empowered. I don't need that much clarity. I don't desire that much clarity. Praise God. Let me, let it <laughs> but my natural tendency or lean is towards trust and hers is towards clarity, but I've had to grow in some of those right. blind spots, but I'd ask a listener and we'll just pause here for a second. I want you to think, is it easier for you to right off the bat, trust somebody or be abundantly clear? And we'll just give you a second to breathe on that. I'll give a fun example of clarity. And this is when Josiah and I, we like we were hanging out, but we weren't necessarily officially dating. And once we were, there was a moment where I was just like, listen, if there's ever a moment, I just want to be clear. I'm not, I'm not here to waste your time. I've been in a relationship in the past that was six and a half years led to a dead end. Um, and I don't intend on doing that again. So if there's any moment, if you have an inkling of doubt that we are not even supposed to be dating, I need you to break up with me like then and there. Like, don't even think about it. Just do it because I am not going to be a time waster. So clarity, I think, threw him for such a loop of just like, whoa, you are straightforward direct, and direct. And I'm just like, but you know what? I'm. That's not my desire is to like drag somebody along or be drug along and then find out like, oh, well, neither of us really prayed about it. We were trying to make things work. So, I mean, even in a funny sense of us dating, um, I think that threw him for a loop and he kept trusting the fact that I want to get to know you. I, you know, I trust all these things and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love that. And I, and I would just, I would just affirm you guys real quickly that, um, you know, y'all are operating very similar to the way my wife and I operate. And maybe there's some women listening to this right now and they're thinking church where do i fit and i read the verses about you know women and all blah 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 that stuff and and those verses are there for reasons and they're good verses but but i don't want those things to be limiting factors to the gifting that god has given you exactly. if you're listening to this and, and i would say that um that with me and my wife she's clarity and i'm trust and funny story that same way it played out she had to sit down on the couch with me and just say hey what are we i think you like me um i I, I like you. And, and I was like, wait, you like me? I was so shocked, you know, and, and, but she was fighting for clarity and good leaders, they eliminate confusion and they fight for wow. clarity. Wow. And just, so I think it's great that you recognize that as I have as well. And so I've really harnessed my wife's ability in such beautiful ways and just given her ministry and empowered her to be good at what she's good at. So <laughs> that's how it plays out now is that um, if somebody's like, Hey, could we do premarital counseling? They'll ask me that. I'm like, Hey, we would love to do that. My wife and I would love to do that. Um, let me just connect your fiance with her. And because basically when five o'clock hits 
um, I submit to my wife's leadership of running our schedule and having clarity. Yeah. And somebody would say, well, that's weak leadership. I'd say, bull, that's good leadership, bro, because I'm not good with clarity. And if, and if me having to submit to my wife's clarity and her order makes me less of a man, then uh, I need to take some hormone treatment or something, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I, that's not, that's not affecting my message. you a better man or more organized. <laughs> Mutual submission. Exactly. It's so, good. it's so good. Exactly. And so anyway, I just want to just, just kind of, you know, pause there, but yeah. So just want to, you know, shout you guys out and how you guys are doing ministry together and, and the humility it takes on both of y'all's end, because I know I drive my wife crazy as well, because I'm just like, you know, so vague with things at times and, and so, uh, but it's, but it's what makes, what makes us work. Yeah. So I love it. We need each other. We need each other where I'm it's weak, beautiful. he's strong and vice versa. And I was asking, yeah. ask you this chat, like staying true to the word of God as pastors, as teachers, as preachers, I, even as volunteers, right? Um, we know that it's important to stay true to God's word while connecting with people desiring to personally grow in their faith, in their faith with God, in their faith journey, and just discovering what he has. Can you just talk about your experience with this and share any insight for those looking to specifically grow in their teaching? And maybe it has to do with their biblical knowledge, their, the wisdom that comes with that. But what would you say about the teaching aspect of it? And how do we stay true to the word of God when the world naturally is pulling us one way and we want to be relevant, quote unquote, or we want to make a three-step process or we want to, I mean, everybody has their own leadership style right. and ability to learn and teach. What would you say about that today? What have you learned in that process? And Yeah, so I, I would say two things um, up front. First of all, um, like the word of God, you know, is it's amazing. And if you have not marveled at the word of God and looked at the historicity of it and the privilege it is that we have a copy in our own language and the, mm -hmm. the blood that was shed by men and women historically to translate the scripture and all that stuff, man, do that. Because I think sometimes if you're listening to this, and you're like, oh, that's the Bible. It's just kind of like, you know, like the book of Eli, you know, he's quoting it and then they just put the Bible on the shelf with all the other sacred books. And, but the Bible's different, man. And, yeah. and, and a few things that make it different is that, um, is the history the historicity of the Bible um, has not been debunked at all. It's just validated. So you know, people have have uh, criticized the Bible's historicity, and, and they're like, there was never a people called the Chaldeans, and then they did a dig and they found like remnants of the Chaldeans. You know, it's like, oh, you're wrong again. Um, and then the uh, one of the unique things about the Bible is it's the only book of prophecy, and so there are there's some there's some really smart people. Um, up in like MIT world that have done like the status, the, the stats on the probability of prophecy. And you can look it up. It's amazing. And there's no other book like it. And then the last thing that makes the Bible unique is that it has faithfully changed people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so like, you just need to look at that. So that's one thing. And, and uh, that really gives confidence to the word of God. And so if you're doubting on whether or not it's authoritative, um, and you're kind of feeding into 2016 uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, I, I do believe the word of the year was post-truth. And so what that means is that we're in an era in American and even just the West where your truth is my truth and laws that hurt me and that sort of thing. And, and that there's just a lot of holes in that philosophy. Um, if, if you don't have truth, then, then really you have you have a slippery slope and and the fact that you would say that, that we're in a post-truth era and that there is no truth is an absolute truth in and of itself which is 
kind of wrong anyway. So, <clears throat> so that you would get confidence to be able to stand on that truth. And the second thing is that you would find the word of God personally. Jeremiah 15, 16 says that, um, that your words were found and I ate them and they became for me a joy in my heart's delight because I'm called by your name, O Lord of hosts. And so one of the things I would just encourage somebody to do, if you're trying to teach the word of God, you got to find the word of God personally. And once you find it, you know, the D word is you got to discover the word of God and you discover it in all of its beauty. Like I said earlier, that it's, that it's authoritative. It's, 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 um, it's historically accurate. It's a book of props. It's marvelous. You have to find it. And then you have to, you have to digest it. So you discover it, you digest it, you eat the word of God. And here's what I see a lot of leaders doing. And, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to tell somebody, you know, how to do their life, but um, I see a lot of leaders, they will study the word of God as a means to the end of preaching or teaching. And, and early on in my, uh, my walk with Christ, and as I was in ministry and trying to figure out like, like, how do I manage things? Like, here's what I would do. I would study the word of God. And I'd basically say, God, would you give me revelation from your word so that I can express that to your people? And so I would come to God and say, God, I need you to speak to me so that I don't look stupid in front of people. And, and I feel like the spirit of God at, at some point early on, he just said, hey, when are you going to come to me just because you want me? Beautiful. When are you, you going to come to me as an end in and of itself? And, and here's kind of my advice, and this may be crude, and I'm sorry, but my advice is this. Don't pimp out your relationship with Jesus. And what I mean by that is that so often we will read the Bible, we'll study the scriptures so that we can just kind of give Jesus away to all these people, and we never enjoy him for ourselves. And so the way this looks like practically for me is I'll study kind of in two lanes. One lane is that I'll, like we're walking through the book of Jonah right now. And I'll study the book of Jonah. I'll listen to great people like Tim Keller, uh, like David Marvin at the porch and um, Ben Stewart, just, you know, different voices. And, and I'll, I'll listen to those guys. I'll read books and I'll study the word and I'll prepare my sermons. But then there's this whole other part of my relationship with God that not very many people know about. And I'm reading through first Timothy right now. And I'm in first Timothy chapter one. And I'm just, I'm just like letting my, my mind and my soul just kind of saturate in that. I don't do that every day, but I do that faithfully. And my, my commitment is this, that God, I, when I get into first Timothy, I want you to speak to me. This isn't for anyone else. Mm -hmm. This isn't so that I can go teach a lesson. I just want to know you, God. I want to seek your face. And I, and I don't want to be guilty of, of using your word as a means to an end of, of creating a following, uh, you know, having somebody think, wow, he's got great revelation. I just want to know God. And I, I talked to a young man the other day, 17, and he's getting ready to preach his first sermon. And he's like, you got any advice? How do I organize my message? And, and I was like, man, hit me up and we'll, we'll talk about all that. But here's the main thing that you need to know that preaching is not so much about you crafting a message as it is about you becoming the right messenger. And you cannot become the right messenger if you're not spending time with God mm -hmm. and you have to spend time with God. And I would, I would say it's not wrong if when you're spending time with God, you're sermon prepping and you're lesson planning. But I would just be careful that you don't get into the place where, but let me put it this way, the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, Jesus takes the three guys up there and they have this great revelation. And then they come down from the mountain. He says, don't tell anybody. <laughs> just like, what is, you know, I think some people say, well, that's reverse psychology. And Jesus was just trying to say, hey, you better not do this. And that would make them want to tell people even more. And I just don't think Jesus operates that way. I think that there are times where God reveals himself to us 
And he doesn't want us to quickly go proclaim what he showed us. He just wants us to sit in it and to meditate on it. And so the pithy way of saying it is sometimes when there's great revelation, it doesn't need great proclamation. It needs great meditation Mm -hmm. because God is trying to show you something for you that you need to know, not something so much that you need to regurgitate. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that'd be a couple of things I would say, um, you know, read books, listen to people that are great at communicating, steal their ideas. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of other axioms and stuff like that, but you know, I think that the things I shared would be maybe um, different than what other people may share. So I, I don't know. Does that help? Oh, yeah. that's beautiful, Chad, because I think that there is other places that you can find things out from other people. But we asked you. We invited you. We, we felt mm-hmm. like God illuminated you to us in Dallas. And mm-hmm. we just pray over each episode. And God, what, what do you want to speak through the Holy Spirit using right. this vessel? And I just... I, I think to to just come into alignment with what you just said, I, I fear for myself and for young leaders as a generation that we would be want that we would want to be seen saying something rather than actually having something to say. Hmm. And I think that's a danger of communication. And so I'm glad that Definitely. you went here because I think that I've I've been there many times as a as an individual myself and the way you just showed us the way is to focus, like you said, more on becoming the right messenger than only focusing just on a message. And I just kind of go another way with the conversation and and follow that up by asking you this, Chad, in your mind, you have a unique vantage point and way of seeing things. And I'd just be curious why you believe that young adult ministry is important. I think the, uh, the easiest answer is because Jesus did. You know, when you look at the Gospels, it's who did he select? Who, who did he invite to follow him? And they were young adults. And so, you know, again, if you think, um, if you look at the average church today, you're seeing a mass exodus of young adults True. from the church. They're graduating high school and they're leaving the church. And it's just like, it, man, it breaks my heart. Because See. young adult ministry is where... It, to me, it's like it's where the action is in a lot of ways. And so, so you know, that would be the, the short answer, you know, because Jesus did, you know. But to expand on that a little bit more, when you look at just the way that we are developmentally and um, what's happening in the brains of young adults and what's happening in their social demographics, there's just so much opportunity for influence. And here's one of the things I say is I kind of get on my soapbox. I'm like, man, the young adult generation is the greatest generation by virtue of population ever to walk the, the face of planet earth we live in a republic in america so what that means is that we vote on things and and so here's the here's kind of the the punchline when whatever this generation deems to be important we will vote it into existence just by sheer population sure and so if we begin to value life we'll vote against abortion if we begin to value life we'll vote against racial issues if we begin to value life we will stand against sex trafficking and we'll vote things in the past and we will lead a liberation of sorts. Um, and likewise, if, if we just begin to stand up and use our voices for what God tells us to, just by virtue of population, we're going to see great things take place. And then you look historically at the great movements of God and young adults have always been in the center. Now you see 
uh, the great awakening in the, the 18th century, Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest theologians, like he died in his early thirties, I think, you know? And so, he, or yeah, I mean, he, he kind of hit his pinnacle in his late twenties and early thirties and, and he didn't live real long, but, but, but he did so many great things uh, for the kingdom of God. And, and he preached and led this, this thing called the great awakening that was full of young adults that led to prayer movements and led to all kinds of great things. There was a guy named uh, Robert Murray, and uh, I believe is his name, uh, Evan Roberts is his name. And Evan, he uh, was the guy that preached and that led the great Welch revival in the early 1900s. And and he preached and there was this little girl, her name was Ann. She was a 14 year old girl at the time. She just simply heard a testimony about Christ came and they began to like hit the road and God began to work greatly in the great Welch revival. And you see the Wesley brothers and the second great awakening, the young adults and One's a songwriter, one's a preacher, and man, they're this one-two punch, and and they start this great movement where people are coming to know Christ and like, hey, how do we follow Jesus together? So they start what's known today as the Methodist denomination, and uh, then you have uh, the Zusa Street revivals. You have all kinds of things happening right. all throughout history, and when you see those things happening, Billy Graham, there's young adults at the center of it. They're leveraging influence. They're leveraging um, innovative ways to get the gospel out, and they're excited and, and, and let alone, um, we also send young adults to the front lines of the battlefield because they're brave and they're courageous and they're a little crazy at times, you know, but, but when you give a young adult something to live for that's greater than themselves and you make it clear, you empower them, you give them clarity and then you give them the keys and you give them authority, man, you better look out. God's going to do something great. And he has done great things. It is there. God is not calling us to do anything different. I mean, that he's already done in history. It's just our time to do it. It's our time to rise up and do it. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, I need to be innovative and I need to do a, a big new thing that's never been done before. Listen, just read history. and you, you just be faithful to do what men and women have done historically, but it's your time to own the mission and it's your time to make it happen. And uh, so that's why young adults just fire me up. And, and uh, we're seeing a move of God. I just got the numbers this last week. Um, but the last 12 months, we've baptized over 300 people in our church. And the greatest category of baptisms are young adults in our church. Oh, just amazing. Because, again, we're seeing a mass exodus of that. But for some reason, there's this fire that's, that's burning in Kansas City. And God's doing great things. But there are so many young adults everywhere that the world's teeming with them right now. And so, um, man, we, we've got to be faithful to reach this generation and then give them ministry. We had a great reformation where we put the word of God back into the hands of the people of God, where one of the great reformers and Bible translators said, one day I, I envisioned the day where the plowboy will know the word of God like the priest. And uh, but but today we've got to have a ministry reformation. We've got to put the work of God back into the hands of the people of God. And uh, and we've got to we've got to call them to more and give it away. And uh, so, again, if you're listening to this and you're like, uh, I, I don't know if I'd be clarity or if I'd be trust. I don't know how I empower people. It's probably because you're not leading. It's probably because you're not living on mission. And you got to get in the game. You're going to learn so many things about how bad you are, you know, and, and how much you need Jesus. And, how, you know, the different, you thought you were good at this, you're not good at this, and that sort of thing. But, man, what a great way to learn about yourself and to get in the, get in the fray, get in the fight, and allow Jesus to be sufficient where you're not. And, um, and allow his grace just to shine greatly through you. And I think that's so good. And to realize there's so many layers to each one of us, from our past to our present, to the tension of where we want to be in the future and where God's pulling us. And and I think it's okay to be wrestling. It's okay to wrestle with those yeah. questions. It's okay yes. to, to self-reflect. It's okay to give somebody 
permission to speak into an area of your life where it's a blind spot. If it's, if it's pride, if you need to be humbled, if you just need a fresh set of eyes and to, to pray into discipleship and mentorship and just those different elements. And I think so many times leaders, we look to other leaders or look to our leaders for permission to do God's will. And in reality, God has already been downloaded. If you're in tune with the spirit and if you are reading the word of God, God has already given you permission to share his love. He's given you permission to lead somebody to Christ. He's given you a story to tell. He's given you, I mean, even if you have just a hammer in your toolkit, a hammer can remove nails and it can put nails, you know, in the wall. Like there's two uses even to use a hammer right there, but to increase our toolkit and to increase our ability to, to lean into our own messy and to wrestle with those questions of who does God say I am? How do I lead um, with the authority that God has handed over to me with a humble heart and um, pure hands and a pure heart in that process? And so many times we come across young adults who feel like they're the only ones in the trenches. Yeah. They're, I'm called to do this. I feel God's leading me in this direction. I'm a pioneer. I don't know how to get started. And we meet with young adults all the time. And I'm just like, wow, for a generation that has access to Google, to start up anything from a nonprofit to a podcast, to writing their own books, to all these different things, there's so much technology at our fingertips that sometimes we, we get dumber as the day gets longer with technology. I mean, even back to the whole Azusa Street revival and before that, they didn't have technology. It was all word of mouth and the spirit of God awakening the souls of the people that were willing and wanting to be present in the throne room of Christ. And you, they got to experience that with other believers and to lean into that. And I'm just reminded of Henrietta Mears. Josiah has yeah. loved this book and has read this book, um, that there are females in ministry that are, you know, stepping into things. There are young men, there are young women. And like you said, who did Jesus go after? Look at the disciples. According to scripture, they're a bunch of teeny boppers just wanting an adventure, you know? And I think if we could go back to that childlike spirit mm. as young adults, before we get too jaded, before we allow the, the church hurts and the hurdles and the hangups to identify our ministry or their lack thereof now or whatever people could be resting and walking in is recognizing, you know what? Lord, take me back to my first love. Right back to my first love and and i and i would just kind of just add to that a little bit Micah, that you know there's this there's this notion amongst gen z and millennials that they're they're um they they fear failure more than quitting Mm -hmm. and so they would rather quit something rather than fail right and um and and i think in the church what what we have to get over it in condemnation and i mean shame's the first negative emotion that we see pop up on the scriptures in genesis and, and shame and condemnation are so powerful. And so someone's listening to this and, and, and they're even doubting whether or not they could be used by God. And I would just say like, God's, he wants to use you and he's giving you space to fail. Right. And that sounds crazy. But when you read the Bible, Good. like you have the disciples failing and Jesus doesn't condemn them. I mean, Peter rejected Jesus. Jesus doesn't bring anything up about him rejecting him. I would have, I would have barked Peter down to the ground. And be like, what do you mean you reject me? I needed you in the lowest. I would have chewed him up one side down the other. But Jesus doesn't do that. He just simply 
reminds them of the mission. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Go feed my sheep. I believe in you. That sometimes Jesus puts more faith in us than we do in Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes. And so if you're listening to this, you're thinking, I don't know if God can use me. Like I would say God is, he's, he's leaning on the edge of heaven. Just looking at you going, Oh, if you only knew what I thought about you, right. That, that you, you cannot fail. You, you know, it's Olympic season. You get, you got the 10 before you ever even get the mat. You, you, you win. You are his beloved before you ever start. Your, your identity is secure before there's ever any activity. And so I would say that. And the other thing I would say is if someone's listening to this and they're like, they're kind of paralysis by analysis and there's so many different options. Totally. So which one do I do? The menu's so big. I would say two things. One is that you need to be an echo until you find your voice. And so if you're listening to this and you're in Minnesota area, you need to go to Josiah Micah's church and you just need to follow Jesus the way they, 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 the way they do and just echo their life while you find your voice and while you find your place. A 22 year old is not supposed to know everything that God has ever called them to do. Welcome to the struggle um, and welcome to the grind of following Jesus and not having it all figured out and just taking one day at a time. And the second thing is that you need to be praying, God, what have you called me to do? See, there's this highway that God wants us to be on. And on one side is a ditch and it's a swamp of bad things that we, that we don't need to do. And on the other side is a ditch and it's a swamp of, of really good things that we're not called to do. And God wants us to find the highway of what we've been called to do and he wants us to drive as fast as we can and he wants us to understand that every light on that highway is green baby and you need to go how do you find that calling you ask god to show that to you and you get around people and you play the field so to speak in ministry and, and you figure out oh i'm good at this or i'm not good at this and and you ask god show me what you called me to do and then let me leverage my life to serve that purpose and the, the word of God says that the calling of God is without repentance. It's, it's irrevocable. Right. And so God has a call for everybody. And uh, it's our job just to ask God to show it to us and then be faithful to, to run in that lane. And one thing you talked about is fear. And I think one of the, my brother had some very, my brother-in-law had very insightful, um, a definition of fear. And this was probably, oh my gosh, almost 10 years ago. And I was just going through a season where I just needed to hear this. He goes, Micah, my pastor defines fear as this. Fear is putting faith in the enemy. Oh, yeah. And that is just like stuck with me. Say that again. Say that again. Fear is putting faith in the enemy. And we were on a boat yesterday with our friends, uh, Brad and Carly. And Brad, Brad shared something with Josiah when it comes to fear. And he was talking about just the fear of making decisions, the fear of failure, the fear of you know, putting yourself out there, all these different fears. And how did he describe it? Oh man, this was, was good. He, he just goes, you know what? I wish people could know that on the other side of their fear is pure bliss. And I, I think that it's, there is a joy on the other side of our obedience of taking a bold step of faith mm -hmm. in the calling that God's given us. And there it's natural, by the way, I think God created those emotions of fear. But when we take that bold step of faith, it is pure bliss. There is yeah, an indescribable fear. joy. Yeah. It's, it's going back to the metaphor of it's you opening up your sail on your sailboat in the wind. I'm afraid where it's going to take me. I'm afraid of the wind. But you open up that sail and it's like, wow, this is what I was made to do. Yeah. So good. That's so good. So fun. And Chad, we just want to kind of close in on five final thoughts. We call it the five and five. 
this is our favorite part, I think, of the podcast and the listeners as well, where we get to just kind of dive deep yep. into Chad Glover and ask you some questions about who you are. And you, it's like a home run derby. Five pitches and you just get to swing away. You ready? Yeah, let's get it. Okay, let's let's kick it off. First one, if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? One would be a hyphen to be girl dad. I've got three little girls, and so I'm minority and sorority. Uh, the other one would be um, just grateful. Uh, grateful for, I mean, I could go list after list after list, but that uh, I get to do what I get to do. Just so grateful. And then the, the last one would be, um, uh, would be excited. <laughs> just excited, especially today. I'm on the, you know, the front end of a camp, excited about what God's going to do. Amen. And I don't know if it'd be excited or expectant. One of those two words. So good. All right. Question number two, would you be willing to share a recent or favorite story of salvation, transformation, or life change with our audience and us today? Yeah, definitely. So the one that's, um, that it, it's a layup for me is, um, we've been processing the gospel with my youngest daughter. Her name's Anna Joy. And um, my, my wife is such a faithful discipler of our girls. And um, she, if you're a parent, listen to this and you don't know this resource, the, the um, child training Bible resource, mm. such a great resource. And, um, and it just allows you to um, color code a Bible that will allow you to get a biblical perspective on different topics. And one of the topics is the gospel. And so she's been processing key verses of scripture with my youngest daughter. And my youngest daughter um, recently has, you know, said, hey, I, I, I want to be in heaven with you. And so um, anytime our kids have said things like that, we've always been hesitant, you know. And so we're like, OK, what do you mean by that? And so um, I'm usually kind of the like the dad that's uh, it's like, no, you, you don't want to be in heaven. You don't understand. And so I kind of doubt them intentionally. And so I had a pizza box after she first started showing interest, flipped it over. And I drew out a simple diagram called the gospel bridge. And I just asked her if she understood, you know, that Jesus died on the cross and she's able to, you know, get all this stuff. She knows the answers. And then I said, well, who, who do you think needs Jesus the most in our family? And she's like, I don't know. And I said, well, I don't think you're ready to be a Christian. That's, that's several weeks ago. And um, about two weeks ago, she brought it up again. And I said, Anna Joy, who needs Jesus the most in our family? And she looked at me and she said, daddy, we all need Jesus the most. That's why he died for us. And I said, okay, okay. All right. Good answer. But, but out of you and me, like, who would you say needs Jesus more? You or daddy? Box out, dad, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I saw the way you talk to mama. Anyway. Um, so she just looks at me and she says, we both need Jesus the most daddy. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to help her see her need for Christ. And, and she recently gave her life to Christ and we were able to baptize her. And so that's, you know, obviously that's one of my kids. I know it's not a young adult, but, but the principle is true. And here's what I would say is that the last young adult that I led to Christ, I did it the same way. I shared the gospel and picture form with them. And I clearly explained their need for Christ. And I asked them questions that would try to help surface. Do you really need Jesus or not? And, um, and so the, the gospel, um, one theologian said this, that the gospel is like a, it's like a pool of water in which lambs can play and elephants can wade in. Yeah. And that it's simple enough for a young girl to grasp a hold of her need for Christ. 
And it's also marvelous enough and complex enough and exciting enough for a 25 year old to wrestle with those truths and give his life to Christ as well. So that's, that's a one recent story that's near and dear to my heart. I love it. I'm a girl dad as well. And um, that is beautiful, beautiful to, to just be inspired and encouraged by that story. So thank you. And here's the curveball. If you could ask Mike and I anything, one question, what would it be? I think the question would be, how do you eloquently dance uh, the dance of male leadership, um, female you know, respect, fellowship that we see in the scripture. Um, that's all under the umbrella of what you already said, Josiah, mutual submission, mutually submitting to one another in a way that is uh, edifying to Micah so that she doesn't feel like you've got her thumb on her, but also Micah the way, a way that's edifying to Josiah where he doesn't feel like you're always bossing them around and you disrespect and that kind of thing. Um, and so the simple question would be, how do you, how do you eloquently dance ministry yeah. together? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think um, one resource that has helped us understand this from a biblical standpoint is the book called Love and Respect. Yes, Rich. Yes, to like the woman desires love naturally, not always, but before respect and still needs to be respected. And the man would naturally or more men have responded, I'd rather be respected before I feel loved. We both need both. Right. Um, but to not get on this crazy cycle. And I think the illustration I've always used and the illustration I've gotten when you're doing ministry with your spouse is it's like you're on you're on a you're on a bike. You're on a bike together and you have your pedals and you need to be in cadence with one another. If Josiah is pumping the brakes and I'm trying to go forward, we're just going to be at a standstill. If I slam on the brakes, we're going to go butt over tea kettle and we're both going to go flying into the ditch or vice versa, you know? So to be into what God's called us to do, our, our, my natural roles are not Josiah's and his passions are not always my passions. And that's where I think the, the clarity and the trust kind of comes into play as well. Like we refer back to that um, illustration that you talked about the equation and it's to understand that we were created different, we are designed different, we function differently, but we're still going to love and respect each other, even um, when we don't understand each other, but we're going to talk it out, we're going to communicate, and at the end of the day, we're on the same yeah. team. Yeah. I think so many <clears throat> couples, we get into a lock of horns, it's like, this is yep. the right way, and we just kind of come at each other, but it's like, wait, at the end of the day, like, no matter what decision or what's come up in life, ministry, home, we're on the same team. We've chosen to be on the same team in that process. So I think it's an eloquent dance that is always going to need to, you know, but there's always room for improvement. I might step on his toes. He might step on mine. I might try right. to start to lead and he might be, you know, kind of lost in what dance are you trying to do over here? So I think um, we, we just have a light heart in it. We, we yeah. laugh it at our own reactions. We laugh at sometimes the things we come up against and, you stay lighthearted and close to the heart of Christ in that process and to look at your partner and be like, I'm going to love and respect you, even though this doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to love and respect you, even when I'm so little apprehensive of your approach. But you know what? You as a man, God has spoken this to me years ago. It's okay to fail. Let him fail. It's okay for you to fail. You, you're not designed to control each other. You're designed to yeah. walk through 
and cadence and pedal together and propel your ministry, the ministry God's asked you to do, propel your marriage, uh, propel your household forward in the direction towards the heart of Christ and not get distracted by the ditches and the distractions along the way. So maybe that was a five minute answer. (laughs) No, that's good. I think you, you nailed the word eloquent because you phrased that eloquently. The word I zero in on that you asked, how do we eloquently dance the dance of ministry together? And she alluded to it, but it's together. We're on the same team. And I think practically what it's looked like is there, there has been seasons. I think one in particular where I was more down, more discouraged, more beat up maybe. And she helped carry me through that. And it involved counseling. It involved friends that were, but she emotionally was a strength and a support and an encouragement. And so I think that if we were both the same, my pastor said this growing up, Jerry strength was, he said, if you were both the same, one of you would be unnecessary. You don't need to be the same. And so how beautiful is that when she's down, I get to help carry and I get to help support and encourage and vice versa. And she's already mentioned the gift mix, but I think the last thing that I'd share is, and she's almost said it all, but I I think it's just, it starts with me. You know, we went to, and I shared this one other episode on the podcast, but we went to an OB appointment for this little baby that's on the way. And the doctor, she ducked out of there quick except she just asked me a question and she started walking out of the room tuned out and I just go, I'm just here to serve. She got back in the room so quickly and she goes, we need some of that in my house. (laughs) And I I just think of, I get to, it starts with me. So Mm -hmm. if I'm going to serve and support and we're going to serve and support and submit to each other, it starts with me and I can't expect Micah to do what I'm not willing to do myself. So, yeah, I love that. And I I think that you guys have modeled that even today, just, you know, how y'all, it hadn't been all Josiah, it hadn't been all Micah, you know, y'all have a a way about even knowing how to finish each other's sandwiches, uh, frozen, um, but finish each other's sentences. And and, um, I think that's really important. We were recently uh, prepping uh, a message and a metaphor came out that was like, uh, talking about how guys would never leave a good tip if the service wasn't good at a restaurant, you know, like, what are they doing, man? And I'm, I'm no, I'm not going to tip them. And, uh, but we'll go home and we won't serve our families and we'll expect our wife to leave us a good tip. Wow. wow. <laughs> Let that sink in. Oh, yeah. And so I loved it that you can't uh, picked up on that. Josiah. That's great. Great answer. It's really encouraging that you guys are doing ministry together. I, I love that. Yeah. And I think that it's a, it's a safe space and environment that it is the real world, but it's also a safe space, like a greenhouse, like a laboratory that we're going to experiment some, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to learn together and, and submit to Jesus together and have fun in the process. Yeah, that's good. I also just want to encourage you guys that and if somebody's listening to this, maybe they've never seen this model, like, like ministry through marriage, when you read the book of Acts, there's a couple, their name is Priscilla and Aquila, and you never hear them apart from each other. Yep. And uh, like, hey, we're, we're, um, did you hear about Priscilla's podcast? No, but I heard about Priscilla and Aquila's podcast. Uh, did you hear about, uh, did you hear about Aquila's Bible study? No, but I heard about Priscilla and Aquila's Bible study, you know, and, <laughs> and they're just, they, they were peanut butter and jelly. And, and a lot of what um, 
the book of Acts is doing is it's giving precedent for ways that we can do ministry. It's, yes. You know, it's not, this is how ministry has to be done at all times, but it's like, this is how the first church started and this is good and this is right. So thanks for being a modern Priscilla and Aquila. And uh, my wife and I are definitely walking in y'all's footsteps and doing ministry together back in Kansas City. And I am far better because uh, my wife is involved in, in our ministry. So Amen. y'all keep that up. Amen. Yes, we want to be Priscilla's and Aquila's, not um, Ananias and Sapphira's. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> a whole different ballgame. If you don't know who they are, look them up. Happen. <laughs> I'm just trying to own land. If I can own land to sell it, then I, you know, I'm just trying to get there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, Chad, here's question number four. Back to you. Um, would you be willing to tell us an epic failure that you've experienced in life or leadership? Do you want to go there today? Yeah, three words. This will be funny, and then I'll get serious. Christian Wrestling Federation. Christian Wrestling Federation. First big event in a new church, doing student ministry. Call these guys up, and they come out, and they wrestle for like an opening you know, festivities. So for an hour, we're in, we're in Louisiana, it's 130 something degrees. Oh and we've got these guys that are, they should not be wearing Speedos guys. Just how oh they God. shouldn't be wearing Speedos. I'm covering my eyes right now. Like, like, like they were, they were in shape at one point in their life, but they were wearing Speedos and lace up boots. And they have convinced my teenagers to start chanting, you suck, you suck. I thought they get fired. And, um, and so it was such a polarizing thing. Um, half, you know, about 300 kids were around the ring, loving it. 300 were like, you know, blushing. Oh my gosh. And anyway, so that's kind of a funny story. Um, but, but I would say, um, on a more serious note, if somebody's listening to this and they're, they're trying to figure out like, what is a, what is a, uh, failure in leadership that we are prone to. And I would just say that, something that I've had to learn to do and I've said it a little alluded to it earlier is that really to guard your walk with Christ um, so that you're not um, in a place where you're just using Christianity to somehow it, it morphs, man. You, you'll use Christianity to, to make you feel better about you. Um, so that like, if you find yourself teaching things or, or doing ministry so that people will come up to you and say, Hey, that was so good. And you're needing that encouragement. I'll just say, um, this year in dangerous waters. And so for me, um, God, it, it really exposed the depth of my people pleasing. Um, and, and still is, I mean, that's not something that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm, you know, I'll never struggle with people pleasing anymore. But like, I have to be rooted in my identity in Christ because ministry will, will become a, a means to me um, finding my identity and my work. And, um, and so, um, like, I would just say, be careful to do that. Guard your relationship with Christ. So make sure you're getting in God's word um, consistently on your own. And then um, finding rhythms of rest. If you haven't read books about Sabbath, there's a great book called The Celebration of the Disciplines by Richard Foster. Yeah. He talks about Sabbath, the, the kind of trendy book. If you want to be a cool Christian, is the ruthless elimination of hurry. Um, but if you want to, you know, read what he, how he got that, read Dallas Willard, um, and um, and you'll you'll read about how do we find rhythms of rest, and um, and so the the teaching that I just to put it in a, a really bite size is that um, that God was humble enough to go to work. He worked six days. 
but he was strong enough to rest. Mm-hmm. And so you need to work hard, be humble to work hard, but don't don't overestimate yourself and, and be be strong enough to rest and um and to, to unplug and, and to recharge. And um so and yeah, that's what I would say. There's a lot of spiritual disciplines that I think that we've lost the art of, you know, that we should re-engage with and that sort of thing. But yeah, so that would be a mistake that I that I have made in the past that has caused identity crisis, and that is a mistake that I that calls my name weekly. That that you should overwork, you should not unplug, you should not rest, and and so um, it's hard because in the name of ministry, you know the you know we we'll do all kinds of things, um, but and so yeah, that'd be a mistake that that I've made. Wow. Chad, thank you for going there. We love that question because it's amazing to learn ourselves and then be introspective to evaluate. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you eliminated or alluded to this earlier, but people relate more with our scars than they do our successes. So thank you for going there. You are a deep well, my friend. I love drawing on your insight mm-hmm. and wisdom in this conversation. It's an investment in our life, our marriage, mm-hmm. and the ministry and community of young leaders. And if we were to hand you the mic and a room was filled with college pastors, campus ministry leaders, young adult pastors, uh, and they need one piece of encouragement, insight, advice, wisdom, what would you leave them with today? Oh, this is one of my favorite uh, teachings, and it's, it's really kind of a random verse, but it's Joshua 3, 5. And Joshua is this young leader. You know, it's really his first stab at leadership. You know, he's been the protege of Moses. Moses is dead now, so he's definitely, you know, Joshua's the guy. And, um, and the, the um, scene is, is that they're standing on the banks of a flooded Jordan River, and they can see the promise. They can smell the promised land. They can see it. And this is the thing they've heard about their whole life. I mean, the, the people had watched their parents die in the wilderness. And Joshua gets his people together. And, you know, Moses has told him, hey, man, don't don't fear. Don't be afraid. You know, we've had Joshua 1 9 that says to don't let the, the word of God depart from your mind, but meditate on it day and night. You know, so all these things like we've been talking about this podcast. And when Joshua gets before his people, here's what he says. Joshua 3 5, he says to consecrate yourself before the Lord. Because tomorrow he's going to do wonderful things. Wow. And the word consecrate, another word, sanctify. Neither one of those are common words that we use, but. But here's kind of the the punch or the point is that is that you just need to prepare yourself. You need to get ready today. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you'll get ready today and you'll expect God to do wonderful things tomorrow, you better look out. He's going to steal the waters of the Jordan River. He's going to help you walk into the promised land. He's going to give you victory over battles. It's going to be an epic saga of sorts. But if we will ready ourselves and expect God to do great things, um, like, I just think that God will, he'll honor that. And so the, the axiom, the axiom is the greater the expectation, the greater the preparation. Mm. And if you're saying, I want God to use me, I want God to use me. And you listen to this and oh, God's going to do big things, but you're not presently reading the Bible, fighting sin, seeking community, trying to get around great people like Josiah and Micah and teaching, you know, allowing them to teach you how to follow Jesus. Man, I just think that your 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 expectation lacks integrity. It just sounds good, yeah. but but there's no there's no integrity there because the sincerity 
of your expectation will be determined by your action today that faith without works is dead. And, um, and so that, that's what I would, I would tease that out. The greater the level, of the expectation, the greater the level of the preparation, what are you expecting God to do and how are you preparing for him to do that? So good. As a personal trainer, when I was working at the gym, one of the people said to me, if you fail to plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's right. That's yeah. You aim at nothing. You'll hit it every time. Yep. And that's exactly right. And that's a great challenge to leave. Where are we choosing to fall short? Where are we choosing to um, disqualify ourselves? Where are we choosing to, you know, compromise essentially? So that's a great challenge to leave our listener with today. And Chad, we are so thankful for you taking the time to speak into our lives as well as our listeners in the audience. So thank you for joining us. Grateful. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.